Welcome to Find Flow, a podcast on the ebb and flow of the IT operations management scene. We take a deep dive into the latest developments on IT operations management, IT service management, and AI ops. Find Flow episodes are on iTunes and Spotify, and remember to subscribe. I'm your host, Sean McDermott, and this is Find Flow. I'm your host, Sean McDermott, and this season we are focused on technology vendors in the AI ops space. And uh, this week we have on Digitate. So I wanted to welcome Gianti Murti, who is the CTO of Digitate. Uh, Gianti has uh, been with Digitate for, I think, about five years, and prior to that he was almost, I guess, like 23 years with Tata. So, Gianti, welcome to the show. appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sean, and thank you for having me. Great. So, um, so I gave you, a li- I gave everyone a little bit of bio, but uh, that's probably not doing you justice. So, uh, tell, why don't you give everybody an idea of, of you know, what you're all about? I uh, spent uh, a lot of time in the world of technology, architecture, and operations. So, I, I've started my career inside the data center and I've run operations, written a lot of stuff. But primarily, uh, I would sum up my entire career around, uh, you know, performance engineering, high perform- I'm sorry, high performance computing, architecture, technology, AI ops, and essentially uh, extending all those fundamental concepts to the ever evolving world of technology in in the world of operations, application, and architecture. And uh, I've spent a lot of time in my career working with uh, customers working with uh, product organizations, uh, vendors, partners, internal stakeholders around the world uh, in multiple geographies uh, with customers in multiple industries, uh, banking, retail, government, transport. So, yeah, I have a fair bit of, uh, you know, background, well-traveled, I should say. So, so sum it all up, you've been around the block a few times. Absolutely. <laughs> That's good. So, um so what we want to do today is talk about two things primarily. I'd love to get your, I mean, obviously you've been around for a long time, been uh, working in this space and operations. And uh, so I'd love to get your take on AI ops and where you see what kind of got us here in the first place and, and, and ultimately where we're going. And then we'll jump in and, and you can tell us all about Digitate and what you guys are doing over there. So, so to get started, let's talk a little bit about AI ops. I mean, I'd love to get your take on where like like what got us here to ai ops like what's the what's the history from your perspective and um you know what's going on in the world of ai ops today uh interesting and uh, and and thanks for asking i think the context and the history is very important i believe uh, three fundamental phenomena right uh, has fueled all of this entire movement around ai ops uh, you know, uh, I, I think about seven to eight years ago, almost a decade ago, we started seeing a lot of complexity uh, getting built into our enterprise landscape, which meant too many applications and a lot of additional uh, growth in data, uh, growth in compute, uh, growth in business, and uh, all the technology innovations fueling, you know, an ever-expanding landscape of enterprise IT and a lot of interdependencies, and, and that led to a lot of complexity. Uh, obviously, uh, many enterprises experienced an uh, 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 era of growth on their enterprise IT landscape that has like, uh, caused tremendous amount of scale, right? 
And the third thing is the diversity and a lot of the legacy uh, uh, technologies, platforms, applications were still retained while adopting new ones and it has created an extremely diverse landscape. Now, when you look at all of these and the traditional construct of IT operations, right, which was really a very siloed organization, you know, you had L1, L2, L3 teams and command centers and teams that are segmented by technology towers. So it just rendered this entire construct, uh, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, I would say sluggish in the face of this extraordinary uh, phenomena, combined effect of these three phenomena. And add to that, the rate of change in the environment. It simply meant that IT operations teams in the traditional construct cannot keep up. So a lot of it was slipping through the cracks, uh, you know, the tremendous amount of data being generated in the environment. So it meant that we had to fundamentally reimagine the whole idea of IT operations. So I think that uh, it was very important for machine to augment the organizations that were there. And that meant that a lot of the repeatable work, a lot of the analysis of the large volumes of data uh, had to be done uh, along with, uh, you know, the human operators that are part of the IT operations teams. And that kind of created the need uh, for having the whole construct of AI ops, which is essentially, you know, a lot of uh, analytics, machine learning algorithms applied to this vast amount of data uh, to break down the complexity, break down the silos, and then you know, use automation to essentially eliminate all of the repeatable tasks. Another key phenomena is uh, you had few good people in your IT operations teams and uh, your best people in the IT operations teams were actually firefighting. And there was a lot of tacit and tribal knowledge uh, when it meant that when people left, uh, it created a big void for the ops teams to catch up. In many ways, you know, digitizing a lot of this knowledge uh, also was pretty important for the continuity and, uh, you know, scaling of the IT operations functions itself to support not just infrastructure, but applications and business uh, problems as well. So that kind of what really, uh, you know, fueled uh, the uh, rise of the technologies around AI ops and the adoption of that by large, medium and small enterprises everywhere around the globe. Good. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much we... we... Yeah, we see the world the same way. And, you know, you, I came, I mean, I've been an ops guy for most of my career. And, you know, I think you accurately described what was going on. And, and, uh, it was just, uh, in, in our, in my mind, the, it was inevitable, right? That this machine learning technology was going to be applied to this, to the operations environment because it is so data heavy and so time critical, right? So you, you don't have a lot of, uh, leeway and in, in the amount of time it takes for you to restore service and um, you know deliver high quality service to to the end users. So good. So so that gets us here today, right? You guys are the new guys on the block, right? Or, or one of the new guys on the block. There's a number of vendors I think that are that, that are coming out or have come out over the past five seven years. So you're not legacy. Like there's a number of legacy players out there that have been um, bringing in machine learning into their legacy platforms. So, so where do you see AI ops, AI ops going in, say, the next three years? So we fast forward to 2022 or 2024, 2025. What does the world look like from an AI ops perspective? 
Uh, obviously, the evolution of AI ops uh, is very interesting, right? So, uh, you know, the abundance of algorithms and the compute infrastructure really fueled, made all of this possible in the first place. Uh, and then you had the problems to solve. And then you look at where we are today, where uh, there is a interesting rate of adoption uh, of the AI ops itself in large enterprises. But I think where the world is going to is to really extend this notion of AI ops beyond just IT, right? So it all started with pretty deterministic use cases around infrastructure extending to applications. Now we'll see AI ops really extend into multiple domains, into solving cybersecurity related issues, into applications, into, uh, you know, beyond uh, IT and applications on the business operations side. So you will see a greater number of business stakeholders get involved in the entire AI ops journey. So definitely that is something that we see a lot. Secondly, uh, a lot of the AI ops technology itself uh, has to be ready uh, to face the challenges posed by the modern hybrid multi-cloud environments that we are going to experience, right, and we are experiencing today. Uh, you know, when you have multi-cloud, you have legacy and some on-prem applications and data centers. Uh, you know, there is uh, a lot of coverage out there, and uh, many of the AI ops tools simply struggle to have the complete coverage of use cases that span across all of these. And I think we will see that become the norm. And cloud, the adoption of cloud at the rate at which, uh, you know, expansion is taking place, it is also impacting the fundamental notion of cloud operations. So uh, in three to five years' time, I think AI ops uh, will be dealing with a lot more use cases which are addressing uh, a multi-cloud hybrid environment and breaking down that complexity. And that's exactly the answer to the questions that we're going to have. Uh, you know, three or five years down the line when all of these use cases really become mainstream, right? So I think uh, that that's where it is going. Uh, I would say from a use case point of view, it's greater number of domains, uh, more cybersecurity related, more, uh, you know, multi-cloud hybrid environments. Another interesting phenomenon that we also see is, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, I would say, architectures today are distributed in nature. Taking AI ops really to the edge, you know, taking it to the telecom tower, you know, taking it to a ship, uh, a cruise ship, or taking it to, you know, devices, right? Uh, a lot of it is become very critical, you know, the reliability, resiliency, and stability of those edge components. So I feel that there'll be a lot of AI ops getting extended to those edge components and, and there'll be a greater amount of intake of AI ops on those fronts as well. And uh, I think these three are going to drive a lot. Uh, the other interesting phenomena that I see uh, that might likely to happen is that three to five years of time, right? And, and this is uh, really informed by the way the customers have adopted AI ops in the first place, uh, is that the customer's ability to measure the maturity of AI ops in their enterprises will grow. So there's going to be metrics. There's going to be metrics around effectiveness. There's going to be metrics around coverage. There's going to be, uh, you know, metrics around how uh, useful it is to the business. So the customers are, or the enterprises are actually going to adopt this in a much more structured manner. Uh, the adoption of AI ops will be driven by, you know, a very fast time to value, a lot of out-of-the-box capabilities and uh, the adoption will be a lot more structured. It won't be experimentative. Uh, you know, people look for the low-hanging fruit. Okay, let me automate, let me analyze and show some improvements. 
But now we are going to be talking about much more larger business impact, a larger transformation journey. It will be a front and center of many of the digital transformation agendas. Uh, you know, as uh, you know, the front runners, the early adopters have moved on, created the way for all of the others to catch up. So you'll just see that, you know, the thicker part of the pipe come in in about two to three years time. So uh, it's very interesting in the manner in which customers will approach uh, the adoption of AI ops itself and, and how they're going to measure the success of an AI ops journey. So but broadly, uh, if I have to summarize, uh, there's the technology piece of it. Uh, there is the adoption and the expansion piece of it, and uh, then there is the way it's going to be measured in terms of success and the impact. So a lot of these uh, phenomena is something that we're going to see and hear a lot about in the next three to five years. Yeah, you bring up a really good, interesting point that I think you know will have to be explored at some point. You talked about cruise ships. Um, I've actually done a fair amount of work with the Navy, uh, and... Uh, they uh, they have an interesting problem where they've got they've got you know outposts and ships that have limited bandwidth, so the ability but have very complex networks on there. So some of these ships, you know, I mean, you got you know thousands of people on a ship or an aircraft carrier, and that's not even that's just the aircraft carrier, not necessarily the battle group, and uh, they're all communicating. So very complex networks with very very little amount of bandwidth, right? When you're sitting out in the middle of the ocean, so you're doing a lot of things over satellite. So it's uh, these cloud AI solutions aren't really going to apply well to that environment. So uh, distributing, you know, AI to the edge in a more, uh, how do you say it, um, in a in a more independent kind of self-running aspect is going to could be very key for a lot of industries, whether it's uh, ship, you know, military uh, use cases or. Um, remote facilities like oil fields and gas fields and things like that that all have, you know, outside of cellular networks and are using satellite connections. So that's an interesting topic to kind of pick up later. Um, we have a weekly uh, we have a weekly show, so we'll, I'll, I'll put that on the list, and maybe we'll have you on talking about that. Um, and the other thing I think you, you brought up, which I think is interesting, is the the measurements and, and going getting standardized in the measurements of AI ops and the value that it's driving. Uh, I think that that's a challenge for a lot of customers right now, trying to figure out, okay, what is the value proposition of AI ops? How do we make that investment decision? How do we justify it? How do we go get funding? And then being able to actually collect their metrics and and be able to justify it and prove that the thesis for all along was was correct. So that's a that's an interesting area, and I think that gets back into the like you said the whole AI ops maturity and how people are going to mature along the way. And and right now we're in a place where a lot of companies are just trying to understand their maturity of to implement AI ops, let alone their maturity of implementing AI ops. Right, and when they start that journey, so. Good stuff. Excellent. So let's. Uh, you want to turn. Uh, you want to turn attention to to Digitate and talk about that. Absolutely. And that's why you are here, right? That's why here. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, my first question to you is: uh, Your platform is called Igneo, right? Mm -hmm. So give me the origin of the word Digitate and Igneo. 
yeah digitate uh, really means uh, you know uh, you know multiple things coming out of the common core and if you look at our logo it kind of uh, uh, kind of indicates that and uh, an igneo if you look at the igneo logo it is an ever changing shape so it's adapting to multiple situations evolving conditions in the enterprise while it's learning and getting better so the whole idea of igneo is to ignite innovation and uh, in, in, in an enterprise digital journey, transformation journey and uh, you know when uh, we created igneo it was conceptualized as a a common platform that has the ability to reason and the ability to act in a very you know judicial manner so what it meant is uh, you know uh, while the ability to reason goes from you know describing to diagnosing to predicting to being prescriptive and the ability to act uh, just goes from automating a few tasks and commands to automating dealing with situations uh, we wanted to have a platform that can combine both into a common common core and that's what we conceptualized and when you look at that whole idea uh, in the platform that notion can be applied to multiple domains uh, the only uh, thing is that every domain has its own unique nuances with respect to how we treat analyze and look at data and how we generate insights from it and that's why for us the the model or the domain knowledge is very important to infuse on top of our ability to reason and when we build our products uh, we build them with very specific uh, purpose uh, whether we have got a product that's dealing with data centers and infrastructure operations and application operations or dealing with erp operations or dealing with batch operations on schedulers or dealing with end user devices right so Uh, they all uh, are slightly different in the way you reason about them the way you treat the data and the way you act on them and uh, and when we build this platform uh, we actually conceptualize you know having the ability to reason and the ability to act in a single platform so that's where it's kind of come out from well it sounds very futuristic futuristic igneo you know it sounds like something from like blade runner or something like that So, very cool. All right. So, uh Igneo is your core platform, uh and you have uh from what I understand you have a number of modules that are kind of so you got um like Igneo for AI ops and Igneo for uh workforce automation. So, uh talk a little bit about the use cases of Igneo, how you're positioning it within the AI ops domain. So uh we uh, basically position Igneo AI Ops as a closed loop system for autonomous enterprises. And there are two key terms uh, that are used in that statement, the closed loop and autonomous enterprises. Uh when we say closed loop, uh we uh, mean closed loop uh, from two uh, different connotations, right? So we have the ability not just to ingest data and generate insights, but to act on them as well. and to take the right actions at the right time so it's intelligence and automation intelligence feeding the automation and in you know, closing the loop and then we have five core features of igneo which are also in a way a closed loop so we start out by learning the context of an enterprise and the context of an enterprise is is so important because 
AI ops is just not about ingesting any uh, training data set and generating any kind of insights. It is about the context, right? And uh, the more contextual the data ingestion is, the more, uh, you know, impactful the insights and the actions are. So we have a context platform. We learn context of the enterprise. Uh, it is a very specialized, uh, uh, you know, data structure with analytics and ingestion capabilities. And then we, uh, you know, manage uh, alerts. We do all of the anomaly detection, the advanced anomaly detection, the prioritization, classification, prediction, and correlation and suppression of, uh, you know, events and alerts. And we automate handling any incidents that might happen. And our incident management uh, and incident resolution and finding the root cause analysis, we have a very unique approach to that. We combine both AIML and automation while doing that. And then we have the ability to take actions. When, when we say that we have the ability to take actions, it means that we do provide a lot of capability out of the box to take actions. And then we also accommodate all of the action-taking abilities in the ecosystem. So there might be other automation scripts, other automation tools. So we are able to orchestrate across them. And finally, we also proactively, uh, you know, do problem management, which really means that we are looking for potential problems that are likely to happen and steps that can be taken to avoid them, reduce the number of incidents, reduce the number of alerts. So uh, it's a complete life cycle of context to self-heal, to prevent uh, from the core features point of view as well. So uh, from that perspective, uh, you know, that's why uh, we say close loop. When we say autonomous, uh, so you know, so let me if I could interrupt for a second because sure. I'm 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 very interested in this closed loop side. Right. Um, the so do you guys have a lot of integrations uh, out of the box that and as well as an SDK that I can integrate? So uh, I'm a ServiceNow customer and I want to integrate into into the ServiceNow platform for ticket generation, kind of easy things like that, um, or into some type of, um, you know, server configuration management or configuration management system that's, uh, do you have all these integrations out of the box? Absolutely. I think it's a great question, Sean. And uh, see, essentially, we have three kinds of integrations that we do into the ecosystem, which comes out of the box. Uh, the first category of integrations is what we would like to call as work item integrations, because these are all the integrations that create work uh, for Igneo, and Igneo treats them as work items. And these mean out-of-the-box integrations to ITSM systems. And, uh, you know, there are multiple vendors out there, ITSM vendors. And then we have a second category of integrations, which we, uh, you know, kind of label as data integrations. This is where we are essentially ingesting data to train our models, uh, to generate those insights, do the situational learning. And these could be integrations to a wide variety of data sources. These are logs. These are outputs of monitoring tools. Uh, these are semi-structured information, architecture diagrams, and, and all of those, right? They're all data information for us. And we use them to build context, build normal characteristic behavior characterization, uh, normal behavior models, and all of that. And the third kind of integrations is where we integrate with the systems on which we need to take action. So, for example, if I want to go and make a configuration change to a database, it is not the same thing to do it on an Oracle database or a DB2 or a MongoDB. They all have different interfaces. So I need to be able to connect to each of these technologies and follow the right SOP to make those change. So the ability to integrate with these technologies and execute these SOPs are something that we provide out of the box. 
So we have more than. Do you, 10, do you provide the actual SOPs themselves? Yeah, absolutely. We provide okay. more than ten thousand operators out of the box. Okay, good. So, and, uh, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just wanted to also add that, uh, you know, it's not just sufficient to uh, take actions and integrate with this ecosystem. It is also very important to traverse uh, the fault uh, in the right manner. So we also have fault fix models that we provide out of the box. So it informs the product the standard way to, you know, navigate or traverse the system uh, to identify the root cause of a fault and to basically execute the right kind of fix. So all of this is something that comes out of the box and it is done with the intention of one, uh, you know, primary goal that we want to give our customers. It's a fast time to value and to build a strong upfront business case. Gotcha. So give me, um, you know, outline an example of a closed loop process, you know, something that was one of your customers though or one of the more common closed loop you know, kind of walk through what a closed loop process looks like. Yeah, uh, let me kind of explain the flow itself. So, uh, so when we uh, set up uh, deploy Igneo, right? So we install the software and we uh, put the hooks into the data sources and we ingest the data. What we do is, let us say we are doing it for an internet banking platform, which could have n number of applications. It could have 100, 200, 300 applications. And these applications are organized by business processes, LOBs, the applications, and each of the applications have stacks, the technology stacks, right, on which they are running. So we basically build that entire topology by ingesting this data. And then once we build this topology, we essentially superimpose this topology that we have built with dynamic data for each of these entities. So for example, uh, you know, a database uh, will have its metrics that inform how a database is functioning. Um, a VM has its own performance metrics, right? So, and each of these metrics are essentially uh, being monitored either by the native technology itself or by a third party tool, or you could basically query it from an interface on which it is exposed. So we basically pull in that data, which is many times time series in nature, and then we superimpose it on top of the topology. And then what we do after that is to create a normal behavior model, right? So we understand uh, how does the system behave relative to other systems at different times under different conditions. And that is something that constantly gets updated because uh, there is always a recency factor, right? Someone makes a big mm -hmm. change or there's a big disruption and the behavior changes. So we keep that up to date. Now, let us say you have an application that has, uh, you know, started throwing up a lot of alerts uh, because of, a, a, you know, an increasing uh, spike in either, you know, the connection pool or memory utilization or CPU utilization or the latency from a customer experience perspective is is declining. The response times are going up. So all of these alerts are consumed by Igneo. They are correlated. We use three kinds of reasoning. Uh, we use, uh, you know, rule-based, case-based, and model-based. Igneo applies the right kind of reasoning. And then Igneo essentially does perform what we call as a probable cause analysis to find out all of the anomalies in the topology for that particular fault, identify which are the anomalous factors, and then runs an algorithm to figure out which anomaly to deal first that is likely cause of this fault. Igneo then matches it up with a fix and then basically builds the fix in runtime and then executes it on the target system to fix the issue. Now, 
in a customer scenario, you could have a situation where there is a monitoring tool that's basically creating an alert, registering as an auto incident in something like a ServiceNow. So Igneo in that case picks up the incident, resolves it and updates ServiceNow and closes the incident. So it completely closes the loop mm -hmm. right from reasoning about that, finding the fix and acting on it. And then while it is doing that, the patterns underneath are getting up to date with the newer behavior models, changes, outliers, and all of those kind of things. So a complete loop. Now, while all of this is happening, there might be certain incidents that are indicative of long-term problems, right? So let us say a bad job, which is constantly increasing its runtime over a period of time, and that might be impacting a tier one SLA. So Igneo detects that upfront and identifies what's causing that to deteriorate. And then you can take pretty much preventive action in fact, I could give you an example of a, of a financial institution where Igneo predicted more than 700 potential outages uh, before they actually happened and which allowed the team to take evasive action. So uh, a lot of that kind of proactive stuff uh, as well. So if you look at the entire loop, it's context, managing alerts, handling incidents, taking actions, and preventing incidents. And all this while looping in between the intelligence and the automation capabilities. Have you have you experienced issues with customers that aren't necessarily ready to trust the the total closed loop and the automated actions and uh, or is, are you seeing that behavior out there from customers? Absolutely. I think I think it's such a great question because uh, and I would like to answer this question more as a technologist rather than a, a software vendor, right? So uh, see if you look at uh, you step into a customer's shoes, right? Uh, obviously, the very notion of a software going out there and making fixes is, is you know, a little unsettling for many. So what we do is, uh, as part of the deployment of Igneo, we provide multiple controls. So we let Igneo run in a, you know, kind of an advisory mode. So it, Igneo does everything except for take the action and then informs that to an operator who can then look at Igneo's recommendations and take the action. And then, you know, the confidence is built and then you onboard that into Igneo's cell field, right? So you start with augmenting and then you move into more of an auto execution or auto remediation mode. So we have seen customers who have done that deliberately have had no problems in adopting. In fact, we have scenarios where Igneo is handling between 20, 50% of incidents at any given time, totally autonomously without any human intervention. And then a large percentage where Igneo does all the work and then ships it off to an operator for operator to take the last mile uh, execution. So yes, there has been apprehension. And I think, and I think, and this is my purely my personal opinion that based on my prediction, three to five years down the line, when you have much more complexity because of hybrid, multi-cloud and all of that, uh, there will be a big role to play uh, from the augment to self-field journey, right? So sure. I think that that will become pretty uh, critical from a mindset point of view in terms of how they adopt. Yeah, I, I think there's certain things that, you know, lower level tasks that people feel comfortable automating nowadays, right? But when you start talking about, hey, we're going to automatically reload a configuration onto an edge router that, you know, is handling a, a bunch of critical sessions coming in from the user base that gets people pretty nervous right now and and i think you're right it's just a comfort level right it's it's a matter of you know seeing it work 
you know, and seeing it work a little bit and then say, okay, let's turn it on here, let's turn it on there a little bit. And, and it's like anything else. Humans will eventually just get used to it. And, and when you see that, when you see the results are, are, are coming out as you would expect, right? Then, you know, they'll just, it's just a matter of momentum and, and comfort level. So. Yep. Great. So uh, I know that you wanted to talk about autonomic autonomous enterprise, and I cut you off uh, uh, right. to talk about closed loop. So let's talk a little bit about. Um, so continue on with your thoughts around autonomous yeah. enterprise. So see, autonomous by definition is a, a continuously evolving approach to uh, creating a zero. Uh, intervention process, right? So whether it is in the context of business, applications, IT, uh, the idea is to take the whole process, use intelligence, automation, collaboration together to essentially drive uh, zero human touch. Now, uh, but the journey to autonomous is not a switch button, right? So it, there are deliberate steps. So the first phase of the journey is really to build uh, the transparency, to build that strong data foundation that is required to become autonomous, which means you need to catalog all the assets, you need to understand the profile, the behavior, and start by augmenting teams with the insights while uh, you are automating you know, a lot of the low-hanging fruit. And eventually what happens is you use intelligence and automation together, and that's when the benefits become exponential, right? So then it's not about an autonomous enterprise. You're doing it big bang, right? You're doing the whole big waterfall kind of steps, right? You build a data platform and then you take a bunch of processes. You do it one at a time. You do it in a very agile fashion. For example, if you take provisioning, if you take patching in the IT context, uh, if you take application health checks, and if you take, uh, you know, remediation from... You know, simple things like how many times have you not been able to access an application because a certificate has expired? I mean, and, and there are like, you know, digital properties like that that get impacted. So you take each and every process function uh, in the context of, let's say, ERP or a batch or applications, and then you start applying this journey where you build the transparency, you ensure it's updated real time, you're able to profile and understand the behavior, you're able to apply automation or the you know the entire ecosystem of automation that's available to you and then eventually get them to solve the business problem and and that's the state of autonomous that we like to achieve right and what we have seen in our experience of deploying igneo is that we have been able to achieve that pretty rapidly when you take it process by process use case by use case and that's why uh, i always say that the success of ai ops depends a lot on how an enterprise responds to the organizational change that is required right if you have more cross-functional approach the concept of an automation office the roles of automation architects people who are able to look at it from a slightly different perspective who can prioritize use cases high volume high value low volume I'm sorry, and high volume, low value. And then you basically organize it by business benefits and then allow that to come into uh, the enterprise in a very standard architecture-driven process uh, with signs of on security, with signs of on business and all of that. Then you see, uh, you know, the, the journey of autonomous enterprise really speeding up. And the idea is really to impact the business stakeholder and, and, and in, an, in a very exponential way positively so and, and and that should be the eventual goal so this whole journey of autonomous enterprise we want to be the software and platform 
that actually enables it for an enterprise and that's 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 really our vision and that's why we say it's closed loop system for an autonomous enterprise well i i think it's a i think it's a great vision we um i mean i've been talking about autonomic operations for years and um the closed loop um the closed loop automation is very near and dear to my heart based on some of the things in my past and you know ultimately i think enterprises we're going to end up there, right? I mean, because we have to, because we just cannot continue to do things the same way we are today, especially as technology continues to get more and more complex and these applications become more and more complex to do it by hand. And, and that's kind of the basic premise of, of the use case of AI ops today. But it's inevitable, and I think anybody who who thinks that they're not – and even AI is inevitable for everybody, right, because at some point – AI is going to be embedded in every technology that you buy, whatever vendor. So if you're, um, you know, whether they buy a specific AI ops platform from you or they buy uh, or they have a legacy application, there's going to be AI introduced into and machine learning introduced into everything. So it's going to happen. And and for some organizations, they're going to, and we, we see, and I'm sure you see this, in very large sectors of IT dependent sectors like financial services, they're going to be making a probably fair amount of investments in, in machine learning and AI on their own, as well as augmenting with vendors like you. And then there's these, there's another whole class of very large enterprises that aren't going to have the ability to make those investments on their own. They're going to rely on vendors like you to, to help them in that journey. So. Good stuff. Um, so, anything else you want to catch up on? I, um, you no, know, I just wanted to say one more thing to the point you said. You know, technology is getting complex, but managing that need not be right. So, and and that's the whole point of uh, AI ops. But yeah, I, I mean, I would say uh, I just want to add that you know, from a, a customer and an enterprise uh, point of view, I think it is very important that uh, when they decide on embarking on their AI ops journey. It is it is very important for them to focus really on the time to value, uh, focus really on the innovation uh, and and that they're going to bring in because of adopting this. And and essentially, it's very important to build a very strong roadmap of how the AI ops journey is going to unfold in terms of coverage, in terms of effectiveness, in terms of business benefits. And, and I think uh, it's just not a, about buying a cool technology and exploring it. It's more about a very structured approach, uh, trying to solve very pertinent problems of today and tomorrow, right? And, and, and getting ready for some of the challenges that are, that their technology landscape is going to throw at them in, in the next three to five years. So, well, you're speaking to the choir on that one, right? Because uh, I, I, our, our big thing and, and, and my big thing is that AI ops is, is a strategy. It's not a platform, right? And um, it's going to be made up of uh, a number of key technologies like yours, right, who are going to be. But, but AI ops is, I mean, so companies really should be looking at the long-term vision of what they're trying to do and the long-term value proposition and build in, as you said, build a roadmap and and adjust to the things that being able to kind of, you know, run, you know, what is it, uh, crawl, walk, run, right, and, and start small, right, and find some very discrete use cases 
and and bring in technologies you know that can address that tech that use case get their feet wet do the analysis get the value proposition down start building consensus around the organization and starting to learn how to do the closed loop right and getting trusting in that and um but it's going to take you know it's a it's a it's a commitment right it's a long-term commitment to ai ops so Actually, great yeah, Go ahead. I'm, uh, sorry, uh, I just also meant to say, you know, in many enterprises will find vendors out there uh, which might not fit, uh, you know, the problem that they're trying to solve. Sure. And, and I think that's that's the challenge with AI ops today. It's not just about buying and applying it. So uh, I think a very important element of AI ops is also extensibility and. Uh, uh, and that is something that we uh, at Digitate are very sensitive about, that, you know, what we give out of the box might suffice for a large percentage of what an enterprise needs. But there's always going to be some uniqueness in every enterprise in terms of them wanting to apply it to a unique process, a unique situation. They're wanting to use unique kind of algos, a unique kind of knowledge. And, and we built Studio. Uh, which is really uh, we ship that with every uh, you know uh, you know copy of our AI of software and it allows uh, enterprises to you know take that and extend it and and to their enterprise and I think that is also a very important element of uh, enabling an enterprise on their AI ops journey. It's it's that extensibility of the platform is going to be pretty much a key ask uh, down the road. I, I totally agree. Like one of my favorite words is context. Right, and everything, uh, everything is implemented in context of the situation, context of the organization, context of of their needs, right? And and if you think about it, you know, most IT organizations are the same, right? They most of them are, are the same. If you looked at a, a, where it gets different is the context, right? Are you a financial institution or are you a manufacturing, uh, and how do you shift, you know, the resources and um, and that's where, you know, customization and extensibility really comes into play. So glad you brought that up and uh, totally agree. Uh, awesome. Any, anything else? I, I think I've asked you that like th two times. So uh, last last no. chance to say anything else. No, I'm good. I, I'm good. <laughs> I think we've covered, uh, you know, everything. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I can talk a lot about, uh, you know, competitors and our product, but I think, I think we're still yeah. Yeah, good. So, um, yeah, so you can find more about Digitate at very easy, www.digitate.com, right? Any, uh, anything you want to plug real quick, Jonathan? No, a lot of uh, interesting information on the website. We've got, uh, you know, customer testimonials. It's a well-recognized product, so I think a lot of the industry has covered it well, and uh, you'll find a lot of interesting use cases, uh, customer speak, and yeah, I would encourage everyone to look at all of the material on the website, and uh, it's it's a great start. Great, great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Um, and I know your time is valuable, so thank you very much for coming and, and spending you know almost an hour with us today, and uh, educating uh, our our uh, our viewers on what what Digiday is all about. So, again, thank you very much, and uh, this will be the end of this episode, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Gianti. Appreciate you coming. Thank you, Sean. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us in this week's episode. IT operations management is all about staying on top of the wave. Hit the like button. Tell us what you thought about this episode. Share and subscribe. And we'll see you next week on Find Flow. Mm -hmm.